So nice to have y'all here. We're ready to learn how to pray. Let me just start this message by asking you this. How many of you got problems in your life? How many of you want to serve God? You really want to serve God? How many of you want to be used by God? You're never going to get there without learning how to pray. There's so much that we miss out on and lack because of prayer. Now, let me make sure I say something to you about this. Prayer is not like the, you go to the place and you put a quarter in the machine and out comes the answer. If you think that prayer has to be about taking care of things that you want or even things that you think you need, then you've missed the, best, the biggest part about prayer. Because prayer is not just a formula you go through. Prayer is not a religious ritual you go through. Prayer is not something that you can say to make people feel like you're spiritual. Prayer has to do with a relationship with a God who is. And he knows better than you what is needed in your situation. And in many times, because we don't pray, we don't see the activity of God on our life. Tony Evans said it in a way that made me a little uncomfortable, but Tony Evans does that a lot. And I can't remember his exact wording, but it had something to do with prayer is you giving God permission to work in your life. And I don't like that language very much because I think God really doesn't need permission but I do believe this. The Bible is clear that you won't have the activity of God in a way that you could have if you don't pray. And when you start to learn to pray, you unlock the activity of God. Because God's just waiting for you to, re to re reach out to Him. And we want to learn to do that. We want our church to be more than just a place where you come and get entertained and a place where you come to plug in your religious ritual. We want to learn how to do this. I have a desire to see revival happen in these days. How about you? So over the next several weeks, Pastor Blake and I are going to be delving into what we call the model prayer. You might call it the Lord's Prayer. And it gives us a model to follow as far as how to go about praying. But before Jesus gave that teaching, he gave something in Matthew 6, 5, and through 8 that I'm going to talk about tonight. If you need an outline, we have some, and if you don't have one and you want one, just put your hand in the air, somebody will get one to you, okay? Somebody get one. We need some back there. I got two or three guys moving. Thank you. Because I want you to, to get this. Can anybody just tell me right now that you're going to follow along with what we're talking about. And not only that, but when you see something, you're going to put it into practice. Wouldn't that be fair? Wouldn't that be making your time valuable tonight? Wouldn't it be a waste of time to just show up, listen, you know, scroll through Facebook, listen a little more? I, I know y'all would never do that, right? Nobody in this church would ever do that. Go ahead and silence your phone, amen? Wouldn't that be good? So come in and you listen, you say, well, that's a good sermon. We critique the sermon. Why don't we do something different? Why don't we decide tonight that when we hear something that's good for us, 
we're going to start using it right away. Does that, that make sense? Because I'll just be honest with you, we live in a world right now where Christian people sometimes look just as messed up as non-Christian. And I think that's a shame. Because I don't think we have to live like that. Too many of us try to solve life's problems in our own power, in our own flesh, in our own wisdom, and it continually goes south. And then at a last resort, when everything's falling apart, we begin to pray. But even then, we don't pray anything other than, God, fix my mess. God's looking for more than that from you. Your children didn't want you to just fix the mess in their life. They needed a relationship with you. And God doesn't want you to just be some person that throws up prayers whenever you need some new, new toys or some candy. God's looking for you to get into that very personal relationship with him. We've taught you a lot here at this church that you're going to have a lot of problems in life. And not everything's going to go the way we want it to. And if we think that prayer means that everything always goes our way, then we have missed the idea of what prayer really is because prayer is doing things his way. And sometimes people would say, why is there evil in the world or why is there bad things happening to good people? Let's put it to you like this. No one in the room deserves anything good from God. Everything that comes good to us from God is because of his grace, not because of our goodness. And if we get what we deserve... It's going to be way worse than what we've already got. Amen? So let's get on proper footing tonight, and let's talk about Jesus' teaching as he's getting ready to go into the model prayer. And Pastor Blake will take it on here for the next couple of weeks. And I want to talk about the assumption of prayer. Now, many times people will tell you you never should assume things, and some things you shouldn't assume. You shouldn't assume that the coffee pot got turned off. You might ought to check it and make sure. You shouldn't assume that the, you got your keys in your pocket when you leave the car. But when it comes to prayer, there's an assumption in the Bible that I want to talk about. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you notice how many times he said when? He didn't say if. That's why we call it the assumption of prayer. When Jesus is talking to his people, he's not saying, hey, if you get around to it, just pray. No, he's like, when you pray. This is what happens. He says, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Love that. What does that mean? Babbling like pagans. It means people that just say the same thing over and over. Because Jesus says they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The key phrases of the message tonight is, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray. The assumption is that we pray, and then tonight we will show why we pray. There is an assumption that Christian people just pray. It's as natural to the Christian person as it is anything else. 
Prayer is, is the way that we communicate with God. And the scripture is going to show us that it's always been this way. Point number one, prayer has always been important with God. Always. It's, there's never been a time that prayer wasn't important. Do you all remember the first uh, family, Adam and Eve? Remember them? They communicated with God. They prayed with God. You say, well, the Bible sounds like they were just talking straight back and forth to God. That's my point. They were praying, and it's always been important with God. You see, God reaches out to us through his word. We respond with our words. The result is a relationship called prayer. God reaches out with his word, we respond with our words, and all of a sudden you have a relationship called prayer. Notice from the Old Testament, at the dedication of the temple, God said this. He said, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the what? Prayers offered in this place. God says that I'm going to be paying attention to what is going to be prayed in my temple. Now, folks might think today, well, in that case, we need to get down to the church house so God will hear our prayer. No, no. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So his ears are attentive to the prayer said in this place. Isaiah 56, 7. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. A house of what? Of prayer. Matthew 21, 13, it is written, that's Jesus speaking, my house will be called a house of prayer. It's always been important to God. All through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, prayer is assumed by God. The definition of prayer is going to be like this. Prayer is meaningful, relational communication with God. Meaningful. Relational communication with God. It's meaningful. It's not just words. It's relational. When Jesus goes into the model prayer, or what we might call the Lord's Prayer, he says, Our Father who art in heaven. He's not talking about, hey, you up there. If anybody up there. Or the old man upstairs. That's not relational. Our Father, He's our Father. We're a part of a family. And in a loving family, anyway, when the child comes up and holds the arms up, somebody picks up the child because there's a relationship going on. And when we approach God, we approach Him as our Father. It's meaningful, it's relational, it's communication. It is not December 24th at the mall sitting on a guy with a white beard asking for something under the tree. Many people look at God that way. Their prayer life is, God, I want, I want, I want. Can I tell you this? Some people think that in the church there's this magic prayer list, and if you could just get your name on that list, God will do everything that's on that list. I want you to know pretty much God's not too much interested in a list. A list, that sounds like what people write out before Christmas, don't they? This is my Christmas list. Ladies and gentlemen, prayer is relational. There's nothing wrong about writing down your prayers. I do that. And I write down who I'm praying for. And I don't quit until I get a chance to highlight that answer. 
But it's not just about me, and it's not about getting what I want. Prayer has always been important to God. Point number two, prayer is assumed in the New Testament. Why is it assumed? It's assumed, first, because it's relational, second, because it's communication, and third, because it enhances connection. You ever feel like God's just gone a long way away? Most of the time when you feel that way, it will be because you have stopped seeking His face. God has never stopped reaching out to you. But many times we get so discouraged with life and frankly we get angry with Him. And so we begin to look for life in our own way. See, any time that you're living apart from the rule of the kingdom of God coming to you from the scripture, you're doing things your own way. And you won't have the activity of God helping you. I'm not telling you God will just leave you out there to die. I'm not telling you God's going to knock you down with, with a lightning bolt. But I am telling you, if you want God's activity in your life, you've got to be connected with him. You need that personal connection. Prayers assume because that's how we get connected with God and we walk with God and we're filled with the Spirit of God and we hear His still small voice. I thought this was interesting. In the New Testament, the opposite of this, I call the non-assuming, non-asking, and non-acquiring type of prayer. Which is James 4.2. You do not have because, because you do not ask God. You see, there are some people that don't assume that they should pray. They just don't. They get up in the morning. I got this. I don't need prayer. They go through their day. I'm busy. I don't need prayer. And for a while, things like it seems like it's working out. Seems like your wisdom is working well and everything is working out. So I don't need God. So I don't, I don't assume that I need prayer. Since I don't assume that I need prayer, I don't ask for anything. And James says, if you don't ask, you're not going to have. Isn't that something? I wonder. Let's let our minds go here a little bit. What part of our life could have been different if we'd have just prayed? What activity of God did not show up? Because we did not assume to pray. In fact, we assumed that things would be okay without it. You have not because you ask not. So many people say, well, what's wrong with me is not that. Yes, it is that. It's all of these other things in my life. I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again tonight. People come to me sometimes, and I say, what's wrong? And they give me 20 minutes of what's wrong. And what's wrong is not right in front of me. What's wrong is somewhere out there. And I give the same answer every time. If you try that tonight, I'll give you the same answer. You come to me and say, you know what's wrong? It's so-and-so. I'll say, no, it's not. <laughs> Your problem is inside of you. And so since the problem is inside of you and you don't assume that you need prayer and you don't assume that you're going to pray and you don't ask nothing happens so nothing happens so you wrongly assume that the problem is still out there I can't tell you how many times I've had major problems in my life and I just prayed about it now I'm the kind of person I'm, I'm a problem solver I like to solve problems if I think I can solve a problem I'm going to try to sometimes it makes it better sometimes it doesn't sometimes it makes it worse but I've learned a little bit 
that in some things, when some problems are there, and I look at it and say, you know what, there's not anything I can do in this situation. You know what I realize then? When there's nothing I can do in this situation, there's only one person that can solve this problem. Guess what? I have to go to the one place where I can go. And I've noticed every time I pray, and I want to pray for what he wants, and I want what he wants, and I want him to do what he wants, and I ask him to release his power over the situation, I start seeing things happening. Amen? Amazing things. I can remember a long time ago when I, back when I worked in Kentucky before I moved, before I began in the ministry, I had a, a supervisor that I worked for that just couldn't stand me. And went out of her way to make my life miserable. Y'all ever been there? You show up to work every day and whatever the worst job that you can do that day, that's what they've assigned you to do. Ever been there? It's like they, they get this glee and this joy out of doing that. I don't know why or who encouraged me to just pray about that. You see, sometimes people say, well, if that's happening, you just need to go somewhere else. Well, maybe the only problem is I had three kids and they wanted to eat. And while I'm talking about that, can I say something about this? Look, don't quit what you have until you have something else. You're making it where I guarantee you God's not leading you to quit what you have before you get something else lined up. I promise you. You know why? Because God says if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what the Bible says. Well, how's God going to handle this? Why not pray and ask God to do something about it? I remember showing up one day for work, and that person was gone. Just like that. My whole world changed. Just like that. Just by praying and not getting in the power of the flesh and trying to make something happen on my own. Christians, we ought to handle things differently than the rest of the world. I would say this, if a person doesn't assume prayer as central, central to his life, then it can be assumed that he or she doesn't have a relationship with God. Let me say that again. If a person doesn't assume prayer as central to his life, it can be assumed that he or she doesn't have a relationship with God. Think about that a little while. Why is it assumed? Look at the statements of Jesus. We've already talked about it. When you pray, when you pray, when, when you pray. Jesus gave some stipulations as well. He said, when you pray, first, be present. Be present when you pray. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. See, the hypocrites, they have something, um, uh, cognitive dissonance. They're, they're saying one thing, but they're really something else. They're not really present. Jesus was talking about people in his day that would stand up and just pray and everybody would walk around and say, ooh, there's a holy man. And Jesus says, when you pray, be present. Don't be like the hypocrites. And another thing he said was be private. Now, he doesn't mean that we can't have public prayer because the Bible talks about public prayer. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid most of the praying that Christians do today is only in public prayer. They rarely, rarely, rarely do any private prayer. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites that go out in front of everybody and pray in front of everybody. You go in your closet. You ever heard anybody say something about a prayer closet? If you want to know more about that, watch the movie War Room. It'll show you something about that. He says, go into your room. Close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Y'all got that place? You all have a place that you approach God every day like that? If you don't, find one. Find a place, make it your spot. Be present, be private, then be personal. When you pray, be personal. 
He says, don't keep on babbling like pagans. Some people think when they pray, I got to pray some kind of prayer that sounds good to God. Actually, God would rather hear from your heart. God has even heard me pray in Spanish, in my broken Spanish. God's just concerned about my heart. He's not concerned about how accurate I am. Be personal. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father, my Father. Point number three, relational prayer releases the activity of God. It releases the activity of God. I will say to you tonight and leave you with some thoughts that I think will be good for us. That effective prayer is relational and rewarding. Bernie, I saw that word several times and I couldn't get away from it. And in my theological framework, it it bothers me to think that Jesus says if you pray, you're going to receive a reward. Does that bother you? You pray, receive a reward. It's not a reward. We know we're not working for it. What is that? So I looked up the Greek word. So you know what it means? Reward. There you have it. You just got your Greek lesson for the night. Effective prayer is relational, but it's also rewarding. How can that be? Let me say it to you like this. The way you pray reveals much about you, okay, and determines the rewards for your praying. A lot of times people say, God never answers any of my prayer. Oh, so God just decided, look, see that person? I'm never going to answer their prayer. Is that you? You know what? In this victim mentality, I can see people saying that. Yep, that's me. God just doesn't like me. You're crazy. I mean, all through the Bible, people worse than you got saved. Oh, if we could just be like Moses. Oh, the guy that killed an Egyptian. Hmm? If we could just be like the Apostle Paul. Oh, the guy that killed the church before he became a Christian. Hmm? You think you're the only one that's ever sinned and ever failed and ever messed up? That God doesn't like you and he's not going to answer your prayer? That's ridiculous. The problem is you're just not praying and you're not praying relationally. The way you pray reveals much about you and determines the rewards for your praying. Let me give you a few thoughts. How does prayer reveal things about you? Well, there's the prayer that reveals a concern for the opinion of others. There's a prayer that reveals concern for the opinion of others. Jesus said they go outside, they're in the public square, and he says they're standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be what? To be seen by others. Hey, I didn't know virtue signaling happened back then, but yes, it did. Amen. I'm praying so that everyone else can see me praying. Now, maybe that doesn't happen in our culture because prayer is not really done very much. But I tell you what is done a lot, other things. People sometimes, some years ago, in, in my generation of being in my 30s, which was a little while ago, they would put bumper stickers on their car. See, we didn't have social media. God is my co pilot, stuff like that kind of ridiculous because if he's a co-pilot you need to exchange seats you know what I mean does that make sense 
But people would put those things and put things on their bumper sticker that they're a Christian and make a show. Now we just put little sayings on social media that make people think that we love God. And our life is shown to others so that others will say, oh, you're a Christian. Listen, Christianity is internal. It's not showy. And Jesus said for the person that's praying with a concern for the opinion of others, he says that person has received their reward. We can do that here, couldn't we? We can bring somebody in here that can maybe sing a song and sing and just sing wonderfully and everybody stand up and clap. But what if that person doesn't know Jesus and they're singing for their reward? You see, prayer reveals a lot about your reward. See, if your reward is that people think well of you, then your reward is not coming from him. The way you pray reveals a lot about you. There's also a prayer revealing a commitment to religious ritual. That's where Jesus said they think they will be heard because of their many words. If I just pray longer, I'll do it. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Hey, I need you to pray hard. What does that mean? Have you ever tried to pray hard? I mean, I don't get that. It's like my kid saying... Please feed me. And like I'm going to go, no, you ate yesterday. You don't need anything now. I mean, what does it mean to pray hard? I think praying with fervency, praying often, but just like, what are you going to do? You're going to beat on the, beat on the altar? Sometimes I think, well, if I just have enough people and we're, if I get enough people praying and, and, and get on the prayer list and everybody's praying and you know what prayer is now. Somebody says, I need prayers. Something's happening and somebody says, prayers. I mean, can you imagine that all 250 people that wrote prayers on your post stopped what they're doing and said, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this need. I don't think it's happening like that. Because I think we've made prayer into this kind of thing. It's like a, a ritualistic thing. I say this, you say that. We say this word this time, this time, this time. And all of those things are commitments to religious ritual. It's not a commitment to a relationship with Jesus. Now, I like somebody sharing a prayer need, I think that's okay. I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But we're finding comfort in the fact that there's many words going on out there, but yet not many hearts. I've known people that, that were so close to God that if they prayed for me, I, I knew they were praying for me. You know anything, anybody like that? And one person in a relationship with God is more powerful than a hundred who are just mouthing words. That makes sense to you? So there's also prayer revealing a confidence in our relationship with the Father. And this is where we want to go. Jesus says your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You see, 
the thing that you're looking at in your life. I mean, we might not really know what we actually need. Isn't that possible? Because in some circumstances, I would think I needed something, but God saw something different, and God didn't give me the one thing that I thought I needed. He withheld that thing, but then at the right time, he gave me the right thing that I did need. Anybody ever been there? I think Pastor Blake talked about that some time ago. I don't know if you remember the sharing that, but I'd love these people to hear that tonight before we go home. The fact that when you look at a particular thing, you think, God, it can't possibly be like this. But yet when you finally decide to just relate to the Father and turn it over to Him, you start to find out what He was doing all along. You ever been there? See, what I'm, not, what I'm talking to you tonight is not about how to put the quarter in the machine, pull the lever, and get something out of it. I'm trying to talk to you about what real prayer looks like. And it looks like a relational situation where we know God, He knows us, and we talk to Him. And we share our life with Him. And then, at the end of it all, He's the Father, I'm the kid. The three-year-old in my house. She has a word she uses a lot. Please. And it's great the first time. Or the first ten. <laughs> Can I have candy? Sugar? Ten o'clock at night? No. Please. And she'll do it over and over and over. See, I'm the one that knows that's not a good idea for her, right? God's our Father. Does He know what's good for us? You think at this stage of your life you know everything that's good for you? I want to tell you, at the age I am now compared to the age I was in my 30s, <laughs> I know a whole lot more than I used to. And I'm pretty sure in the next 20 years I'm going to learn some more. Amen? But you know what I know that I can do tonight? Because I know the Father and I know the Father has my best interest in mind. I know that I can put my life in His hands. And I have confidence that he is my father and that his words are true and he will do things for me that I need. Not only that, but prayer that reveals a conviction to relational praying. The Bible says your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Will reward you. There it is again. <clears throat> Effective prayer is relational and rewarding. The Father sees what's done in secret will reward you. He didn't say he'd necessarily give you what you're asking for. He just said he'd reward you. That reminded me of a story in Genesis 15, Blake. When God came to Abraham and said in Genesis 15, 1, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and said, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. Ladies and gentlemen, the relationship with God is our reward. You see that? That means we're not alone. I mean, think about the kind of relationship we have. And this is why prayer is assumed. We have a relationship of father to child. More than that, we have a relationship of friend to friend. The Bible calls us the friends of God. We have the relationship of us being in time, but our Father is in eternity. He sees the end from the beginning. 
We have a relationship where we are weak, but he is strong. We have a relationship when we're desperate. He is willing. We have a relationship when we're unsure. He is certain when we have problems. He has solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to get back to praying. Because our Father is drawing us to himself. And he wants to spend time with you. Have you ever thought about that? He wants to spend time with you. Come into his presence. And worship him. And over this summer, let's learn how to do this his way.